The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. I'm your host, Ann Gelsheimer, and we are going to continue a fascinating conversation this evening with my guest, Dr. P.M.H. Atwater. In our last interview, which was aired on August 7, 2015, Dr. Atwater shared her ability to see into multiple realities as a child, her three near-death experiences in 1977, as well as the results of her decades of research into near-death experiences, including the four types of near-death experiences, the different kinds of after-effects that happen, and her exciting conclusion that near-death phenomena is not some kind of anomaly, but rather is part of a larger genre of transformations of consciousness. Now, tonight, we're going to discuss her latest book entitled Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience. In this book, which is based on her interviews with thousands of near-death experiencers and also illuminated by her own three near-death experiences, Dr. Atwater gives voice to the collective experience of what lies at the heart of the near-death experience, which is the God that is the source place, the one who is the all-encompassing oneness, the allness that moves everything that we experience. I have to tell you that this book has been wonderfully well-received by readers based on the reviews that I read this afternoon on Amazon.com. Over the years, Dr. Atwater's collected data from thousands of adults and children, published more than 11 books translated into 12 languages, and has been a popular guest on many television and radio programs. She was a presenter at various conferences around the world, including two presentations to the UN, and she's been the recipient of many awards, including the Lifetime Achievement and Special Services Award in 2009 from the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Dr. Atwater, welcome back, and thanks so much for making time to come back to Conscious Evolution Radio. Well, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a privilege to be here. Well, thank you so much, and I loved reading your book. I really, really enjoyed it, and I loved, right from the beginning, you told a, a wonderful story about how the book came to be while you were uh, taking a flight to San Francisco. Will you please share that with us? Well, you know, I was just minding my own business sitting in a chair. I mean, <laughs> on the plane, sitting in a chair. I mean, that's it. Uh, that's all I was doing, and about a foot and a half, maybe two feet in front front of me, in front of my face, a book started writing itself in the air. I mean, I mean, right in the air. Right. First, first came the title, then came the, uh, the 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 table of contents, and then the frontispiece, and then um, outlines for eleven chapters, and then the back matter. And it just kept going and going. It was sort of like a computer loop. And I thought, gee, that that's crazy. You know, <laughs> I just watched it. It just went by again and again and again, just this little computer loop. There, there was no entity there of any kind. There was no angel, no disincarnate. I mean, none of this fancy stuff. No, it was just air. <laughs> air <laughs> well, that was funny. writing a book. <laughs> and after a while, I got to thinking, you know, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I ought to write this down. <laughs> so I pulled out pencil paper and started writing. Uh, and then when I got to San Francisco, I had two and a half weeks of talks. And I mean, I mean heavy schedule. Right. So, but whenever, when, whenever I was quiet for a little while, 
then that computer loop would start up again. And it was driving me nuts. Um, and after a while, I got angry. I got I got to admit it, everybody. I got angry uh, because this. Um, I didn't ask for this. <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, I did not know this was coming. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it was coming from. And it wasn't the kind of book I ever write. And it was just, you know, it just didn't make any sense to me. And finally, I had. Um, three days off, and I stayed with a friend of mine, and he wanted to take me to the Redwoods. He wanted to take me to see the Redwoods. And and on the way driving to the Redwoods, we, stu- we stopped at this funky little town in, in, uh, in Northern California. I mean, really, really a funky little town. It was so funky, it had its own muse- museum for Sasquatch. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it had a oh, Sasquatch good. museum. I mean, it was really funky. <clears throat> and and he he wanted to take me to the antique barn, great big white building, and and to the left of it, I saw this kind of long wooden building, not nice looking, but plain, very plain, and there was no signage at all. But on the street, it said Greek Orthodox Church. So I I said, you know. You go ahead and take barn if you want to. I'm going to this church. And, you know, I just made a beeline for the church. Fortunately, it was unlocked. Nobody was there. Went to the Holy of Holies. Got down on my hands and knees, my forehead to the floor, and was asking for guidance. You know, what is this stuff that's going on? And I hear hear this really soft, grandfatherly voice say, Hush, child. Hush, child. Now, do your work. Okay. And it's like, <laughs> I said, okay. Oh, that's and, and funny. That's when I got it. You know, just skip, it really skip to the book. <laughs> you know, it really was of God. Uh, this wasn't something I made out of. I was not hallucinating. Uh, I mean, this, you know, something pure was coming, coming through that I needed to pay attention to. So I finished the book. And two weeks, no, not two weeks, two months, two months before it was published, um, that that computer loop came back, and it gave two, two more chapters, chapters uh, 12 and 13, which were very, very small in the back of the book. And so I had to get a hold of the publisher right away and say, you know, stop the presses, I've got two more chapters. And he would, didn't really appreciate that, but anyway, that's the way it goes. Um, so I put them in there, and, and chapter 12 is a chapter kind of like science, where I'm sort of reaching out and saying things that um, that I would not say, um, really kind of far out scientific things. Mm-hmm. And do you know, two weeks before that book was published... The announcement came out that science had verified. This is verified. This is science. This is, this is not channeling. Science had verified that DNA has two languages. It speaks two languages. We have the molecule, and then we have the energetics. That 97% junk DNA, that's the energetics. That is the most important part of the DNA. That's what directs, manages, and controls the, the DNA. Right. And, uh, and that's what's in Chapter 12. <laughs> and I had no way of knowing that. And, and, uh, and two weeks before it came out, there it is, verification that what's in Chapter 12 is absolutely right on. Not only is it right on, is scientifically verified. Well, that's amazing, and that as a as an, a sort of a conclusion to the book, such validation. Now, I want to leap right into uh, what you had to tell us about God, because this is this is, and I'll invite our listeners to just temporarily put aside any uh, specific beliefs or doctrines and just listen to the picture that emerges of God and what it's like to be in the presence of God that Dr. Atwater has collected from so many people. Yeah, and, and, I want, and I want everybody to realize this isn't me. 
These are the voices of over 5,000 children and adults who've had a near-death experience. This is their voices. They're talking their truth their way. This is not a research book. This is not a religious book. This is not a memoir. This is, um, you know, there's no other book like this on the market where it consists almost exclusively of the voices of the many. All I did was sum their voices. I didn't do anything else. I just summed the voices of the many. And this is the people. This is what they uh, saw. This is what they, what happened to them. And it, you're right. It is entirely unique because I read these books all the time. It's very, very unique. And so maybe you could just, I, I know we don't have a long time before the break, but let's get into what is it like to meet God? What is it like to be in the presence of that beautiful light? Well, I, 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 with your permission, I, I, I would sure. like to read that from the book. Oh, for because sure. Because it, it, it's just, to me, it's just so, woo, still, still today it just grabs me. Absolutely. That light is the very essence the heart and soul, the all-consuming consummation of ecstatic ecstasy. It is indeed a million suns of compressed love, dissolving everything unto itself, annihilating thought and cell, vaporizing humanness and history into the one great brilliance of all that is, all that ever was, and all that will ever be. You know the light is God. No one has to tell you. You know. And you can no longer believe in God afterward, for belief implies doubt. There is no more doubt. None. You now know God, and you know that you know, and you're never the same again. And you know who you are, a child of God, a cell in the greater body, an extension of the one force, an expression from the one mind. No more. Can you forget your identity, or deny, or ignore, or pretend it away? There is one, and you are of the one. The light does this to you. It cradles your soul in the heart of its pulse beat, and it fills you with love shine. And you melt away as the you you think you are, reforming as the you you really are. And you are reborn because at last... You can remember. Mm. Powerful. That, 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 just, that, that just grabs me. That is so powerful. <clears throat> and you can and understand why it's so life-transforming when you, you've had that complete well, experience. 90, 90 to 95% of all near-death experiencers um, come back knowing God. So, I'm, I mean, th- th- that's most of them. And that's across all religious and non-religious groups. That's just, yeah. All over the world. Come back knowing that there is this this intelligence, this presence. Um, And and most of them experience that presence without gender. Um, Now, some of them come back talking about uh, he, him, or father. Um, but but really listen to those people because it's, it's almost as if they're using gender as a habit phrase. It's like we've all got the habit that anything that's powerful has to be male. You know, it has right. to be a him, it has to be a father or a grandfather, it has to be a man. And um, most of your ears come back, come back finding that the God on the other side of death is bigger than the God of Holy Writ. So many of them, um, some of them still use the term God, some call it Allah, some uh, form of deity like presence or source or, uh, um, you know, different kinds of uh, names like light, you know, the one, the supreme being. Um, the force, even uh, from Star and I, Wars. I remember in the book you mentioned there was three kinds of light as well that people often reported. Yeah, and, and, and kids talk about this more than adults do. Mm, okay, but adults talk about it too. Um, 
that there's this very raw, piercing light. Very, very raw. It doesn't have any color particularly. Uh, radiates, and the radiation from that light just fries you instantly. But there's no pain. Um, and the the second light, it's, it, um, it's a black light or maybe a dark light. Uh, some of the kids say it has purple in it. And there's something about this light that is very warm, it's very comforting, it's very wise. You feel very safe in that light. There's something very healing about that light. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other light uh, is very bright. Uh, some people say it's a white light or silver or gold, but there's something very extremely bright about that light. And, and that light knows your name, knows all about you. Um, you can't lie or, or fudge <laughs> when you're talking to this light. It can see right through you. And you can, you can discuss things with this light. You can talk, you can talk back and forth. Um, there's something very creative and innovative and uplifting about this light. It's, it's like unconditional love, you know. It's just, you're, you're so uplifted by this love. And, uh, yeah, I love kids. <laughs> because kids just get right to the point, you know. They don't fool around like adults do. Right. And, and, and the kids talk about this light and they say, well, you know, uh, that dark light or black light, that's mother light. And uh, really bright or white light, that's father light. Mm-hmm. But father light and mother light, they come from God's light. Oh, so that wow. very raw, piercing intensity, um, that's God's light. And, and the kids are so clear about that. Oh, and, I love that. Well, we're going to have to take a, a break right now. But when we come back, um, I would love to talk about what you learned about life on the other side, the other side of physical death, and also why we come back. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. My guest today is Dr. PMH Atwater, and we are talking about her wonderful book about the other side. She's entitled it, Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience. 
And I'm really looking forward to having you share with our listeners, what is it like on the other side? Well, you know, it's different for different people. Of course. Um, Most people, oh, gee, easily 60% or more, um, have the out-of-body experience, but it's one that's very lucid, it's very detailed, and, and many of them, when they come back, are able to have third-party verification that what they experienced was absolutely clear and real and, and um, no mistakes at all. Um, and and th- those antibody experiences can be just dramatic. I mean, some of them are just really, wow. It, it's like this, this one fellow uh, died in the, in, in the hospital, in the bed, you know, they pulled the covers over him, and then they called uh, the family to let the family know he had died, and um, he left his body, and he went over to his home, and he was there when um, a family member answered the phone. So he was there to see what they were, who they were, what they were wearing, what they said, what they thought. Hmm. Interesting. And, and then when he came back, <laughs> he relayed all that information, and not all of it was kind. And and so he, he relayed every bit of it to them and <laughs> really shocked everybody. So so this I and um most experiencers are just caught immediately by the fact that number one, it's easier to breathe it's it's easier not to breathe than it is to breathe on the other side. Number two, you have three hundred and sixty degree unobstructed vision. Hmm. So you're seeing everything from 360 degrees. And, and, and three, you can move anywhere. You can go anywhere you want to go. So very often they're, they're met by beings of some kind, maybe a religious figure, maybe loved ones, maybe a pet. There's lots of animals over there. Okay. And, um, uh, Children are met a lot by birds. So are adults, but a lot more uh, with children. Um, but at most of them, when they're on the other side, they're they're really into figuring out, you know, where am I? What's going on? And um, and, and and getting really interested in in. Uh, being with their family or being with loved ones or, you know, being with uh, other, 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 uh, other types of beings that they can talk to and ask questions of. Uh, now, what, sorry, I just wanted to ask you, what, what did they say that people look like on the other side, these loved ones and friends that they're seeing again? Usually, if it's a loved one, they will appear like they uh, appeared before, except that they will be somewhat younger and they will be healthy. And and let's say, for instance, if it was a loved one who had lost an arm mm-hmm. in, in this life, on the other side, that loved one will have both arms. Right. So they, they, the handicaps won't be there, and they'll be a little bit younger, they'll be healthier. Um, that there's a certain glow, and, and, and when they talk about that glow, whether it's of uh, greenery and landscapes and trees and plants, flowers, whatever, that glow comes from within that blade of grass or within that flower or within that person or within that butterfly. It, it's it's not. Um, uh, you're not walking onto a stage with house lights. Rather, you are the light. And that light is just glowing out from you or, or from the item. I mean, uh, the atmosphere is full of, of light, yes, but the major light, the major glow is coming from you or from the various objects or other beings that are there. So that, that so there's this whole myriad of lights um, and and people and beings of, of different kinds um, 
but 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 invariably, right. you know, like it or not, you get the life review. Um, um, so tell us tell us about that. I know because there's there's different kinds of life review that you mentioned in your book, which I'd never heard before. The more comprehensive yeah. and the and the, the, the sort of standard, it sounded like. Well, well, some people uh, will will be like in a movie theater, you know, and excuse me, you're seated in the rows, you know, and you're looking in the screen and you're seeing your life pass before your 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 eyes. That's one type. Another type, you're going to a big, huge building and, and, and reading the Book of Life, and you're reading about your life in the Book of Life. Um, some people, it's like, again, going into a great big building or a hall, and there's lots and lots of shelves, and on all the shelves are, are different TV sets, and they're all open, they're all going, and each one has a different aspect of your life in it. And you can pick whichever one you you want to um, uh, experience. Uh, as some of them, it's like your your light is is flashing before your eyes. You get it very very quickly. Um, sometimes from birth to death. Sometimes from death to birth. Um, sometimes you get this. Sometimes you get the big ones. And, you know, most people will tell you. That that the that the life review is um, uh, when this is going on, you're very objective. There's no real pain. Um, you're seeing what's going on. You're feeling what's going on, but uh, you know you, you're not um, you're not caught in that to the point that it really hurts you. And there's other people who say just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, some people get the big one. And and if you get the big one, believe me, you feel that pain. And right. the, and the big one is always something like uh, you are reliving your life, uh, let's say from birth to death, and you're reliving every thought you ever ever had, every word you ever said, every deed you had ever done, plus the effect of that on the air, the land the ground, the trees, the animals, every, everybody else. Um, one, one fellow <clears throat> that, uh, in, my, in my caseload, um, he was not a nice person. Uh, sort of like, you know, with the, um, with the mafia, a mafia kind of person. Okay. And he had, he'd murdered people and tortured people and all this kind of stuff. Wow. And... <laughs> He was just absolutely awash with, with guilt. Uh, in in his experience, when he had his life review, he had to feel the pain of every person he had ever hurt. Plus, he had to feel the pain of all of their families. Uh, what happened to them? Because of what happened to the individual that he had hurt, he had to he had to feel their pain too. And and when it was over, he was so thunderstruck. He was so um, guilt ridden that um, not only did he not go back to a life of crime. <laughs> But uh, he was he was serving uh, soup in a, in, for indigenous in a, in a church kitchen. He said uh, um, somehow, some way, he wanted to make make uh, uh, make it back to society, uh, repay all the things he had done. So once in a while, you get someone that has one of the big ones, uh, but most of them, it's a little bit more objective or detached. You know, you're able to to really uh, view it in the way that's sort of like a teaching thing um, where you can learn from this. But some of us just get flung into the big ones. I I was one of those that got flung into one of the big ones. Ah, So I I can speak from experience. They're not always very pleasant. (laughs) No, it's so comprehensive. I mean, you're just experiencing every level of the experience now, in the book, you said uh, that people are often asked a couple of questions, and I thought that was so interesting when they're on the other side, because it really gets to what's most important. 
Right. It, it's like, who have you loved? Who have you served? You I know, th- th- those are the main ones. Who have you loved? Who have you served? It, it's like the rediscovery of life's values. And you, and you come to realize that whatever it is that needs fixing, it can be fixed. What, whoever needs loving, they can be loved. And so you, you come back with that knowledge, that knowing that, that's so absolute that you, be, you better get busy here. <laughs> it, right. One of the first things you, um, you, you, that most people, um, one of the first wells that most people hit when they come back is, well, what am I doing with a body? <laughs> Why do and, I have to have a body? You right, know? it's so liberating <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> yeah, right. well, and, and because living in the earth plane is easier if you have one. You know, it's, it's very simple. It's like, although the curriculum of life is written over there, carrying out that curriculum and developing the muscles needed to fulfill it, that's what's done here. And you need to do a body. You need to have a, a body to do that. So that's our job here on planet Earth. We have a job to do. Um, we have a mission to pr- perform. Almost everyone comes back with that realization. Um, and some of them, there, were, there was a man that came back uh, with the absolute knowing that he had to save the genes of the world's largest tallest, oldest trees. And, and, and he's been doing that. I mean, it's by the thousands. He's been cloning these trees and starting, you know, little trees so that we don't lose those genes. There, there was a, another fellow, Olaf, his name was Olaf Sundin, and I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but I came close. He had a near-death experience as a child, I think maybe 12 I'm not quite sure about that. And in his near-death experience, he was given all kinds of information about chemicals and um, chemical reactions and all this kind of thing. And when he came back, he knew as a little kid that he couldn't go running around school or, you know, the playground talking about talking about this kind of thing, uh, he knew that he would have to kind of keep his mouth shut until he was an adult and went through college and university and had a sheepskin, you know, had his degree, right. and then and then only uh, could he go back to the age of 12 in his mind, pull out what he was told and shown, and do something with it. And that's exactly and that's exactly what he did. He now has 100 chemical patents, and all of it came from his near-death experience as a child. That's amazing. Now, he, he had a very clear message or mission, but you, I know you said in the book that not everybody necessarily gets a clear articulation of what their, their job's well, going to be when they come back. Most, yeah, most of them don't. And, and that's... Uh, um, a grief for most of them because they really like to know, but they weren't told. And and again, I I go to you know the kids, and the kids say just do what you feel you ought to do, and that's your mission. And you probably have a whole lot of missions, you know, not just one. Just do what you have, do what you feel you need to do, and that's your mission. You know, kids are so clear thinking. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I like that. It makes it very simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really love that. So let's take a break right here. Um, and when we come back, I want to ask you, among many questions, I want to ask you about uh, what you wrote in the book about people sometimes subconsciously knowing they're about to die and how their behaviors change. I found that fascinating. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back.
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Inside Out is the voice of the inner revolution. Join host Beth Green and co-host James Maynard for a weekly program empowering humanity to change. We heal traumas getting in our way, see ourselves more clearly, overthrow stale and destructive personal and social traditions, explore a new liberating spirituality, meet guests who are challenging old ways, and join up with others who are changing themselves and our world. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. We're, we're talking today with Dr. PMH Atwater, and it has been a fascinating conversation about experiences on the other side as a result of near-death experiences, and then coming back. Now, what I wanted to ask about that I found really intriguing in the book was your observation that sometimes people seem to subconsciously know they're about to die, either suddenly or tragically, and there are changes in their behavior over, the, say, the months before this event happens. Would you tell us about that? Well, I'd like to t- uh, in two parts. First of all, sure. with a near-death experiencer, there, there, there's a before. And and sometimes the life is not going all that well, or you're worried, or you're working around the clock, or you're not satisfied, or maybe you're a little too satisfied, a little too lazy. There's always some kind of before that sort of hints, if you will, um, that um, maybe you need a good... Um, shake up, okay. uh, a, a, gro- a growth event of some kind. And in my various books, I've listed all these things I've seen. But being a cop's kid raised in a police station, yes, indeed, I was. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and what I noticed growing up is that it didn't matter if the person was, was killed in a, in a sudden um, automobile accident or if they were murdered or um, the plane crashed, or it, it didn't matter how they died. Invariably, there was a pattern ahead of time that they showed that, that sort of hinted or indicated um, that they might, be, uh, they might be about to leave. Um, it usually started about three months before uh, uh, the given event, maybe three weeks, and, you know, it's usually subtle at first, Uh, behavioral changes, um, sort of of begin as a need to reassess your affairs and life goals, a shift from material concerns to spiritual ones, you know, things like this, maybe a need to see everybody, um, if if you possibly can, or write letters or call them on the phone. Uh, but as, tr- as time draws near, this can become even spooky. I mean, the person can just really, um, they want to know about their insurance, are the bills paid, you know, who's going to handle this, who's, who's going to get that. Um, there's, there's a need, almost a compulsion, to reveal secret feelings and deeper thoughts. And, and then usually about three days before the event, maybe a day or so before the event, 
it, it's like it's like they they just settle into that and they're at complete peace and they begin to glow and right after they do that they die and and you you find this also in the hospital nurses talk about it a lot right um that, that whatever struggle was ahead of time whatever concerns getting ready to die uh, usually about a day before, maybe a couple of hours before, there's this peace that comes over the people, and and their coloring changes, and they begin to glow, and and soon after they begin to glow, then they die, and uh, not just was I a cop's kid, but my former husband, I've been married twice, um, and and my former husband uh, was a crop duster. Mm-hmm. And and so we were around, I mean, I mean, you know, the flying crowd. We were around all the flying crowd in Idaho, crop dusters, um, corporate pilots, you know, all kinds of pilots. And, and so we were privy to uh, be able then, if there was a crash, and every once in a while there was one, a lot of pilots, a lot, a lot of uh, planes in Idaho, southern Idaho, uh, we'd, we'd meet with the family. Afterward, you know, to to express our regrets, and always, 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 they would talk about this. It was as if their loved one knew they were going to die, and oh. so I, I wrote all this down. I, I kept all these notes, and um, my dad found the same thing in the police work. I noticed that uh, throughout my life. Where I, excuse me, wherever I've been, whoever I've been with, and this same pattern. It's almost as if, on some level, maybe on the soul level, some level, we know when it's time for us to go. You know, nurses talk about this too, and and usually uh, it's it, it's the idea that the visitors are coming, and and if the visitors appear. That is to say, beings on the other side or loved ones on the other side, uh, they begin to make their appearance for the individual. Then usually that means um, the time is is coming close. But sometimes the visitors will suddenly leave, and the person doesn't die. But you know, talk to any nurse, and they'll tell you about the visitors. Oh, and I definitely those, have heard that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, visitors come. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you, because you, you describe this so well in the book, but if you would share what the process is of dying, because I know that frightens so many people, and you've been through it three times, you've heard everybody else talk about it who's had a near-death experience. What happens in that process? Well, of course, um, the vital signs all leave, you know. It, uh, the heart stops beating, you're, you're no longer able to hear or to see. So uh, this, uh, this process is beginning. Mm-hmm. But, but then, you know, the crazy part of it is, um, and, and near-death experiences talk about this over and over and over again, um, it, it's like you can still see. Yeah, once everything shuts down in the body, the big surprise is you can still see and you can still hear. You can even tell jokes if you want to. <laughs> this is after you know, you've, uh, after you've at, left the body? <laughs> at death, there's a step up of, of energy at the moment of death. Right. Uh, an increase of, in speed, as if you're suddenly vibrating faster than before. You know, and, and you can use radio as an analogy. This speed up is is compared with, let's say you've got a a radio here with a bunch of dials on it, uh, and and you take that dial and you you flick it up. You turn the dial up, and um, so uh, that's when things get louder. You shift to another wavelength, or you can turn the dial down, and that's when things get lower and slower. Um, So, you know, everything is the same as it once was, only you changed. You speeded up to allow entry to the next radio frequency on the dial, or you know, um, and, and it it just follows with with radio all the way. It, it, it's like 
It's like experiencers say over and over and over again, you don't die when you die. You shift your consciousness and your speed of vibration. That's all death is, is a shift. Any pain to be suffered comes first. You know, instinctively, we're going to fight that because, you know, that's automatic. We want to fight to live. Um, But once your body goes limp, you know, and, and, and all the physical, um, uh, you know, the heart stops. There's no more air flowing in and out. Uh, there's calm and 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 quiet. Usually, with most of them, not everyone, but most of them. Uh, but, but the big surprise is you still exist. You, you you didn't. I mean, you know, you didn't disappear like a puff of smoke. You still exist. Right. That is... So there is only life. There's only life. Well, let's hang with this one phrase that most experiencers say, and that phrase is four words. Always there is life. Mm -hmm. And, and, And let's just hang with that for a minute. That means there's no before life. There's no now life. There's no after life. That literally means we have always lived, we're living now, we always will live, because eternity is our home. So it, 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 You know, yeah. it just turns everything around. And you begin to realize, my goodness, life is far bigger and more expansive than you, than you ever thought. Or you could even conceive. Now, I wanted to ask you, even, even from that perspective, if someone is, experiences a near-death experience uh, during a suicide attempt, does that change the character of their experience on the other side? Well, um, you know, naturally, we have the full gamut. For, for most people, for, for, for most suicide attempters, it, it really uh, gives them a sense of relief, a sense of peace, a sense of hope, a se- uh, really very positive in showing them that you really can change your life, you can make a difference, you can come back, and you can do things better. Mm-hmm. For some, however, they really get the heavenly two-by-four and, and they come back really, really frightened. Um, but there really aren't that many. Most of them, uh, it's very positive. Which you know, you would you would think, normally speaking, you know, they would really be really shook up and frightened when they come back. Well, most of them are not. Quite, in fact, quite quite the opposite. Right. No, that's comforting. That's really good to know. Well, now, but I, it's as if, it's as if um, they have a reason to come back because they now know better. Right, right, and then and that gives them a positive step, a positive direction to move in. Yeah. Now, would you share with us the big picture you described in the book? Those are the things like the qualities on the other side of no space, no time, all the dimensions and realms. Would you talk a bit about that? Well, you know, there are two big pictures. There's, okay. there's the adult version. Right, and the there's child. child's version. So okay. you've got two versions of the big picture. <laughs> um, I, I can share a little bit of the adult version. Uh, and again, this, this emphasis, and you're going to get it again and again and again. I don't care where you are. You're not going to get the spooky stuff. What you're going to get is God, God, God. I mean, I mean, people come back so infused with that light and that force and that reality and that truth that really, for the most part, that's all they want to talk about. It's like vocalized or not, um, you come back knowing that God is the one presence, the one power, the one force, and the one source of everything. Um, that God is neither man or woman or thing. God is no one's father or mother or benefactor. We use human terms of parentage to help us understand relationship, ours to God. Such personal pronouns serve as a matter of convenience 
or because of a need we have for comfort and security. We call ourselves children of God because we don't know what else to call ourselves. We are made in the image of God, not in the sense of physical appearance, but with respect to the, the power in our souls and the potential of our mind. I think that's a big one right there, especially with religious people. We are made in the image of God, just like it says in the Bible, not in the sense of physical appearance, uh, you know, and that's an, inter- and an interpre- interpretation difference, uh, but with respect to the power of our souls and the potential of our minds. So we only have two minutes to close. Um, Woo! Oh, I know, this show always goes by so fast when you're my guest. But I did want to uh, give us a chance just in in that last minute and a half to to know that you have a current research project that's going on and you're looking for volunteers. Do you want to say just a few words about that? Yes, yes. It's children, Ch- children, near-death experiencers. I've already done this. My book, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences, goes in real detail about what I found. But, uh, but what I, what I want to do now is go back and just take a look at the little, 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 little ones. Uh, so from birth to, to the age of five, uh, if you think you might have had an experience, a near-death experience or something like that, that uh, changed your life in some way, or if you have any feeling or sense of difference, uh, very much, I want to talk to you. Get on my website, www.pmhatwater.com. Right there on the home page is the call for vol- volunteers. So bring it up. Look it over. It's not a quiz, folks. Don't number anything. Okay, that's you know, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I want to remind people that there's going to be a guest page for you, and, and the information is there. But thank you again so much, Dr. Atwater. I love talking thank to you. you. I love your books, and I strongly recommend that people read this wonderful book. Thank so you. So this is, <laughs> this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and thank you all so much for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.